How you doing this morning? Well, it's Wednesday. It's hump day, right? Is that what they, that's what they call it. How is fantasy going so far? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. It's just weird. I I don't I have such weird feelings about it and I just would rather would rather talk about other things than my fantasy football team at this point. Well, it at least for a few fantasy interested managers out there listening, this is the last week without buys for teams. Um, starting from here, you will have week six through week 14. Hopefully your playoffs don't extend prior to week 15. If they do, bye weeks don't deserve to be in the playoffs. You deserve to play your opponent at their full roster strength. Make sure to reach out to your commissioner and see about getting that regular season extended to week 14. Week six, we'll have the Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints, New York Jets, and San Francisco 49ers all on by. So you Calvin Ridley owners, you Alvin Kamara owners, make sure to go find those replacements for next week and get that win secured even without your studs. So for those who are just listening for the first time or maybe just want to remember how things work here, this is our Locks and Close Games episode. Taylor and I give a preview of the week ahead by not covering every single game, but merely the games in the top three format for close games that winning is assured for at least one of these teams. So a watcher beware, because the outcome of this game may be able to be determined before the game even starts. We then transition into our close games of the week, in which this should be the prime real estate for your eyes on NFL Sunday. These are the games worth watching. The outcome is much closer based on our predictions, and we think it's going to be a good time no matter what. Taylor, starting off with our first lock of the week, it is a lock that you and I have both agreed on. We've both wagered 16 points. This is the Super Bowl's champions. I think they've appeared in just about every single locks episode with the exception of their matchup against the Rams. But that's going to happen when you win a Super Bowl and you bring back almost the entire roster, including drafting additions to that roster. Tell me why the matchup in Florida is not as close as it seems. It's not as close as it seems because I think the discrepancy between the two teams, Tampa Bay and Miami, is very, very large. Tampa Bay, we know, is so much more of a championship quality team compared to what Miami is playing right now in football. Unfortunately, they're without their first round pick at quarterback in Tua, who's been banged up and injured. But Jacoby Brissett is a serviceable quarterback and can do a decent job. We saw what he did against Las Vegas last week, managing to put up quite a high number of points for the Dolphins. And then he happened to face some strong pressure from the Colts defense, who did a great job of just sending a front seven assault on him and not allowing him to be very comfortable. So uh, great job on the Colts to step up against the Dolphins uh, offense. With that being said, we know what kind of defense that Tampa Bay has in play with their front seven and so forth. So they've got a great, great opportunity here to, to play at a championship level the way that the Buccaneers are capable of playing. So this game presents in and of itself a great chance for the for the Buccaneers to kind of reset and regrasp uh, what what kind of play they know they're capable of, and uh, one thing I'm really looking forward to is just wanting I want to see the Tampa Bay secondary take a big step forward here. 
I think the addition of Richard Sherman is a big deal in, in the sense that he brings a lot of veteran presence, leadership, experience, all those things that which can help uh, elevate some of these young players like Antoine Winfield and and uh, other guys uh, on the defense in the secondary who really do need to step forward because um, that's one of the exposed weaknesses that I think quarterbacks have been taking advantage of when they're playing against Tampa Bay. So bringing in a guy like Richard Sherman is the right piece when it comes to trying to help lift up the rest of the guys in that in the in the secondary so that they can be playing better football going forward. So Tampa Bay's got a lot of uh, talent and they've got a lot of experience that they can get a big win here against Miami. A little bit of perspective from the fantasy side of things. Dolphins wide receiver core will be without a guy who seemingly makes this a repeat occurrence season in and season out. Will Fuller moves to IR this week. That's at least three to four games that he is going to be out. I think any of the fantasy managers still with this wide receiver on their roster can drop him with confidence. Extreme leagues outstanding here, but this guy is not worth the headache in terms of predicting his health. Yeah, not even worth your watch list. Absolutely. Uptex for the remaining pass catchers, notably Gusecki, who had a great game last week. A lot of checkdowns going on. Uh, Devontae Parker had a pretty quick connection with Jacoby Brissett, at least while he's still behind center. It seems to be worth it. Uh, apologies for any Jalen Waddle owners. It looks like you're going to have to continue to wait as I believe this Tampa Bay secondary is going to take away that deep play ability for Waddle. From the Tampa Bay side of things, start everybody, man. If you even need a fill-in, perhaps even Ronald Jones is a good person to put in. I know he hasn't gotten a whole lot of carries this week. He could be on Arians' shit list, but... This should be a start everyone for the Tampa Bay side of things, including their defense. I want to see the Tampa Bay secondary take a big step forward here. Adding Richard Sherman to the squad is, uh, I think, a really big help, seeing as he is just a veteran presence, capable leader, and obviously established as uh, a tremendous corner in his prime. So I think he brings a lot of veteran leadership and experience to this group that I think can help raise the level of some of these DBs and safe, uh, some of these corners and safeties on this defense. So uh, overall, that's that's the biggest thing I think that needs to be improved in Tampa Bay's defense is their secondary really stepping up and making some key stops through the air against these opposing quarterbacks. So moving into the next lock that you and I shared for week five, you and I both had this as our number two lock of the week, 15 points wagered in terms of our total confidence scores. I believe Green Bay over Cincinnati is a sure thing. Green Bay sure does like to freak people out at the beginning with the first few weeks of the season, but in the repeated assurance from Aaron Rodgers, relax. I think they've found their stride on offense now. Devontae Adams is living up to the price fantasy managers played for their wide receiver. I like some of the aspects of this Bengals defense that we saw last week against Jacksonville, but ultimately Green Bay is going to light up the stat sheet here. I really wish Joe Burrow had a little bit more protection because this would be a game full of fireworks under those pretenses. But we also saw Joe Mixon is going to be out. Hopefully it's not for very long. Make sure to grab Samaje P. Ryan if you have him available in your leagues. He's the backup He's proven effective San Diego State guy. Should be able to produce pretty well against a Packers defense that can be somewhat friendly to opposing backs. We also hope to see T. Higgins make his 100% return here. 
It looks like it was a more precautionary measure that they held him out last week, short week into Thursday night football. That wide receiver core for Cincinnati should be at full strength now. And I think T. Higgins is a pretty safe start against a lacking Green Bay secondary. I'm interested to see from Green Bay if their defense can improve their pass rush while Zadarius Smith continues to be out with a back injury. Not sure if that's season ending yet or not, but this is a really good test for that side of the ball for Green Bay with an offensive line that has shown to have holes for the defensive front. As long as the Green Bay offense continues their recent pattern, this should be business as normal. Yeah, I'm in full agreement with you and what the Packers are going to do in this game. So I don't see the Bengals you know, making a whole lot of surprise noise on the Packers in this game. So it should be entertaining, but nonetheless, Green Bay should win. Cool. And moving forward into our next locks of the week, this is where things begin to split in terms of how you and I view assured wins this week. Not by much. You put one matchup as your number three, which was my number four. My number three matchup was your number four. This makes more sense, again, if you join along with our confidence picks. Link is always in the show notes. But, Taylor, I hate that this team has to make so many appearances at the opposing end of this locks segment. We have covered a ton of reasons why the Texans are at the opposing end of these locks to the point that I think I'm out of reasons on why I will tell you that the Texans will lose. So... We don't do too many numbers, breakdowns here, but here's some just to kind of help any of you folks that are doubting this prediction. Bill Belichick is a combined 22-6 and against rookie quarterbacks, like the ones Texans will be starting on Sunday. He is even improving with time, 11-0 in the past 11 matchups against rookie quarterbacks. Of those 28 total matchups against these rookies, he has allowed 23 touchdowns to 41 interceptions. There aren't many sure things in terms of wins in the NFL, but the Patriots against Davis Mills is about as close as we can get on paper. I really don't have much to add to this one. Texans are worse than the Patriots. Also, grass is green. Taylor, what do you think the Texans fans can take out of what we believe will be another beatdown of this franchise? I don't expect as much of a massive beatdown as what the Texans just had with the Bills. The 40 to 0 score is obviously hurtful to see and if you just take into account the like let's just take in the Texans as a whole as and who they are. Like we understand if if you're a fan of this team or even not a fan of this team, you understand that administratively like this franchise has not been in a great a great spot right now. So let's just, let's just for a moment right now, I just want to more so just chew what meat is there on, on these bones. Now, granted, it, it looks like a lot of bone and not much meat on there, but there is some good takeaways to at least take in with this Texans team right now. The thing about our Texans fans is one, we know Houston cares so deeply about Houston football. I mean, they care about football as a whole in general and there's still a lot of scars that this city is carrying just left over from past with the Houston Oilers and what Bud Adams left behind. And then even in recent time, just with the Texans and Bill O'Brien in some measures tearing apart our team. It just 
there's a lot of hurt right now with Texans fans, but it's unfair to look at this team and look at a third round quarterback like Davis Mills, who did have a zero quarterback rating and four interceptions against a Buffalo Bills team. I mean, it's just unfair to take shots at this kid, given the circumstances and and the situation he's in. I mean, truthfully, Cody, he was supposed to be sitting on the bench all year. It's supposed to be Tyrod Taylor out there handling the quarterback duties for this team. But unfortunately he's hurt, which is kind of, in some measures, the norm for Tyrod Taylor, where where he's been in recent time, the Texans are far are much more competitive offensively with Tyrod Taylor behind center. All those things aside, the things that I have liked about the defense is there's this kid Christian Kirksey at middle linebacker that I think is a promising kid and what he's able to do. Granted, there there is still room for this Texans team and some of the players they have. To, to do a better job going forward. And there's a great opportunity here to go up against a rookie quarterback like Mac Jones. I'm not saying the Texans win, obviously, because we've got I've got 14 confidence points staked on the Patriots taking this game. But where the Texans are at, I've, I've had them predicted to get three wins this season. If they get that, then they meet what I expected. If they get more than that, well, then I'm pleasantly surprised. And... I think there's still room to look forward to things ahead, despite the not-so-fun feeling of of playing football right now. But I don't expect much to come from the Texans against the Patriots. I think Bill Belichick coming in is going to just... We're just going to get beat, plain and simple. We're going to get beat. Yeah, I, I agree. There, There really isn't too much I can add here. I just hope better horizons are on the horizon for the Texans. That's all we can hope for. So moving forward into what I believed was the third easiest lock of the week. You had this as your fourth. I believe Tennessee is a lock over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, before you skip ahead, because you have heard a lot of annoying things this week about Jacksonville, we're not going to cover too much. But for those who have not seen it, there is a suggestive video of Urban Meyer apparently dancing with a woman who was not his wife. That's as most as we'll explain about it. The real takeaway here is that Urban Meyer did not go on the plane home to Jacksonville for what he relayed as family time in Ohio. Obviously, a video like this is going to be detrimental towards the trust that this roster is going to have for their supposed-to-be leader. There are so many distractions for both of these teams, certainly more so for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I believe this lock is a lot simpler than most folks realize. I understand the Titans lost to the New York Jets. We'll cover that in a second. The Jaguars are a bad team, and now with a coach that seemingly wants nothing to do with the grind that the NFL coaches undergo to achieve success in this league. The Titans are a recently successful franchise that is working to find its footing under a number of rotations on the offensive side of things. We saw their former offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, go to Atlanta. Plenty of issues going on in Atlanta. We saw them then take a piece of Atlanta and bring it back to Tennessee with Julio Jones, who had to be held out last week. We saw A.J. Brown ready to really step into that next level of what a wide receiver can be, certainly with 
a little bit more attention going to his counterpart in Julio Jones. Last week, they were without both of those pass catchers. And last week, they lost to the Jets. And the opposing team's company that they lost to last week included Robert Salah and Zach Wilson, the head coach and rookie quarterback that you and I have talked about plenty of times as having a bright future in the NFL. I think people are overcompensating how valuable this Jets loss was to the Titans. The Jaguars are somehow worse team than the Jets. This pick is similar to my reasoning behind picking the Chiefs as a lock last week after coming off a brutal loss the week before. The Titans are better than this, and they know it. I believe the Titans coach, Mike Vrabel, can motivate this team to turn it around quickly. And it would be such an opportunity to seal another division win in this process. To quickly touch on Jacksonville one last time, we don't know what's going through Urban Meyer's mind this season. But the Jaguars' ownership really needs to determine if this guy is invested before this gets somehow worse than it already is. Yeah, I don't want to go too much into the Jaguars, but yeah, there are some things there that desperately need to get figured out in quickly. Um, on the Titans side, they very much disappointed me last week in what they did against the Jets. And so it began to give me doubt about Tennessee as to what kind of team they could be. Now, this is a division opponent and... I fully, because of the circumstances going on right now and that the Titans happen to fall on this week, this actually is a very favorable week for them to go ahead and get this win. And boy, do they need to get this win. I mean, not just get this win, but like fix their crap and get this win. So it's it happens to be an advantageous opportunity here for the Titans to get a win, and we both fully expect them to do so against the Jaguars. To come away with the Jaguars, I think there's plenty of promise on the horizon in terms of this roster talent. Yeah. But you and I have talked about there has been a ton of mismanagement that can only be understood as bleeding from the ownership level down. Yes. This is on Shog Khan. I hope to see this franchise improve in the future. In the meantime, it is not one of the bright spots of the NFL. So that wraps up all of our locks for the week. Taylor. Let's go into a higher note in terms of our excitement for some of the closest games of the week. Now, I mentioned the Jets a moment ago and their amazing overcoming of the obstacle to get their first win of the season against Tennessee last week. You seem to believe that their matchup against the Atlanta Falcons this week is worth watching. Tell me why. Well, I like the... I do like the reckless abandonment to some measures that it seems the New York Jets are playing with kind of that no lose, nothing to lose attitude. But all that aside, the Atlanta Falcons offense has produced a high number of points that really intrigues me to, to and I think that's a, a big credit to Arthur Smith coming in at, at the helm and getting what he can out of this offense. I'm not really sure where things stand on Calvin Ridley from a numbers numbers wise and whatnot, but I was really impressed with what Cordell Patterson did last week. Seems like to be a massive utility weapon as a running back and a wide receiver, three touchdowns. I mean, this guy's this guy's like a multi-purpose weapon, kind of a jack of all trades 
offensive weapon who can do it all. So he's very, he's very important and a special piece to that Atlanta offense. So it's a close one. You know, I'm, I think we, I saw some, some good things come out of that jets game against the Titans last week that had impressed me. And so I think that's why I kind of get this game a little bit closer, uh, in my opinion, but I like Atlanta a little bit more here to go ahead and get this win because their offense is capable of producing. I think there's going to be a good scoring output on this. I guess I'm just wondering if what Atlanta's defense can do against Zach Wilson in this Jets offense. So it's hard for me to say because at this moment right now, I'm not, I'm not impressed with the Falcons defense and what their identity is at this point. I don't even know what their identity is if they even have one, but I like them enough to pick them in this game. Although I think it's going to be a close one, but I put a lot more emphasis here on Atlanta's offense, getting them the dub. Yeah. I believe this game is a little bit more assuredly in Atlanta's hands to lose. I have six points wagered just a little bit more sure in Atlanta's win this weekend. Yeah, I I really think Atlanta is a good pick here, and I think this is still interesting to watch. Atlanta loves to make some highlight games, at least that are fun to watch from the highlight reel, so I think there's appointment viewing here to some sense. What I believe is a closer game, what I picked as my third game worth watching this week, is the Carolina Panthers, fresh off of a loss to the Cowboys, their first loss of the season, getting back on the right track against the Philadelphia Eagles. This is more of an assessment point for these two teams. I think Carolina is a little bit more improved as a whole, which is why I picked them in this matchup. But I believe the Eagles team has proven to be a disruptor this season. Yeah, Philadelphia, I mean, has just surprised me overall in how they are playing. Sure. A major upgrade for Jalen Hurts' production at the end of last season versus his production as a whole this season. This is actually my hipster game of the week, and the hipster game of the week has made a few appearances, but ultimately it's a game that doesn't have any primetime real estate in terms of its television time slot, and it also doesn't have any grand, sexy names in terms of quarterbacks. Most of the folks that are going to be paying attention to this game are not going to be casual NFL fans, or they will be Philadelphia or Carolina natives. I think there's plenty of interest here for an NFL nerd. There's nothing flashy going on here. However, I am buying in on Sam Darnold as the answer for a Panthers quarterback situation. It's going to get tricky come contract time. I'm sure of that. But I I don't necessarily believe he qualifies as their franchise quarterback, but he can definitely answer a lot of questions right now, particularly when they got this defense on the other side of the ball. This could be very similar to what we saw with Tannehill when he finally left Miami to go to Tennessee and had a breakout season. But back to the Eagles briefly, these two teams played against the Cowboys very similar, where it was most decidedly in favor of the Cowboys once we saw the final score, but each series was really impressive to watch from the Panthers and from the Eagles. Devonta Smith is going to have some trouble with the deep route coverage here. We don't expect the newly acquired Stephon Gilmore to play here, most likely going to be week seven, but they still got Jeremy Chin, one of the greatest safeties in this league right now, 
still disrupting for that Carolina secondary in the meantime. It's a really special guy right now for the league. Fortunate for Philadelphia, Zach Ertz has a minor resurgence in his short route production, particularly in the red zone, which is where I've always really liked this Eagles team. As a matter of fact, I've liked both of these red zone offenses for a while now, and I think the Carolina Panthers ultimately have more to provide in terms of win assurance here. Exempting the possibility of Christian McCaffrey running returning here. It's a close one, though. What are your thoughts on this game? I've got much more wagered on Carolina winning this game. It's going to be an, an exciting game nonetheless to watch, but I'm expecting Carolina to play pretty solid against Philadelphia. Um, Carolina, even despite the loss against Dallas, they still showed me enough that they're a real serious team. Philadelphia is still going to produce and and do what they've been doing. But at the same time, I just don't think there's enough there that they get a sure win on Carolina. So I just like Carolina more in this matchup with Philadelphia. Sure. I understand. I am really one of those guys that will always be patient. I'd rather be a week late hopping on a team like Carolina than a week early. It's proven to be an effective strategy for many years as a Raiders fan. Don't believe the hype when we're only four weeks in. I really like what I see from both of these teams. And I think it's worth a watch. So moving into our next game, Taylor, these might be the most confusing teams in terms of our upcoming ranks. I don't know what is holding the Saints back. And I don't know how the Washington football team has developed an identity other than their defense, which includes a front line of three all-pro candidates in Chase Young, Matt Iadonis, and Montez Sweat. Taylor, why is this such an interesting game to watch this weekend? And who do you think can ultimately come away with the win? This was a really close one for me just to kind of figure out who's going to get this win because I said in the last episode, just I can't really figure out who New Orleans is. But from what I have seen with Washington – They've managed to get some gritty wins. And I think this is a game where I think Washington is still capable of taking a big step and and competing well with New Orleans in this game. I mean, I can't ride confidently with New Orleans anymore. I'm sorry. Laughter last week, that just kind of did it for me. So I think with Washington, I mean, that's the thing we do recognize about them is that they have the talent is there. And the weapons are there and what they can do as far as their defense goes. Because you got two tremendous defensive minds in Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio who know how to get the best out of this defense. It's just weird that they're not playing to the level that we feel that they're capable of playing. I've seen a few times where Chase Young has beaten his blockers and just seems to be running past the quarterback. And I'm not so sure why it, it it's going that way, but... Again, like we recognize the talent that's there. I will say this though, I'm I have been very impressed with Taylor Heineke and the way that he is leading this offense. I mean, I think many people were expecting a massive drop off with Washington when Ryan Fitzpatrick got injured. But you know what's cool is Taylor Heineke just seems to be playing like he's also just got nothing to lose. I mean, this guy at one point was the backup quarterback for the St. Louis Battlehawks in the XFL. I mean, that's where this guy's been. 
And now, right now, he looks like he could be possibly, it, it might be that Washington might have found a guy who can play quarterback for them and play quarterback well enough that the, he's capable of getting this team in scoring drives and garnering some wins here. And so I just like what I'm seeing from him. I mean, the kid was in tears after his victory last week. I mean, he's playing really good football. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be proud of the guy for sticking it out and playing the way that he's playing when this defense hasn't been playing well he has really stepped up with this offense he's in, and he seems to be getting the best out of these guys with his play. I mean, really impressed with some throws he's made in the end zone and the way he's just throwing the football around. He's just been an impressive kid to me all in all. Sure. Yeah, that's. I'm sure many fantasy managers, me included at least in one league, um, have been aware that if you don't have quarterbacks solved as a roster spot, Taylor Heineke can prove with his rushing with his playmaking ability even with garbage time that he is more than capable as a comfortable start for your fantasy lineup so moving into what I believe the second closest game of the week is and I really believe this is the best NFL matchup outside of primetime viewing for some of you who know what the next slate of games are could probably look ahead and guess what the game of the week is but I believe the Los Angeles Chargers who are riding a whole lot of steam after a prime time win over their division rival, the Las Vegas Raiders, are going to squeak by with a win over the Cleveland Browns. I believe a lot of folks are going to misrepresent this game as more heavily favored for the Chargers. Now, don't get it twisted. I still believe the Chargers win here. But this Cleveland team started so strong. Baker looked great. And the two-headed running back system was providing effective for both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt fantasy owners. Since then, I'd really say the defense has continued to move forward, while some parts of this offense have regressed. Jarvis Landry got put on short-term IR. Odell Beckham Jr. was activated. But that chemistry doesn't really seem to exist between he and Baker. Opposing defenses are able to just key on the predictability for this offense being a run-heavy game plan because that passing threat is not necessarily something they take seriously. Baker had plenty of highlights from last week on a deep ball throws that are just going over the head of their receivers. And I really get vibes of Derek Carr leading into the Raiders matchup against this Chargers team last week. The Los Angeles Chargers planned very well for their Monday night football against Las Vegas. Joey Bosa has come out and said that that defensive front applied pressure and shook up Carr's confidence. Find some highlights and you'll see him literally cradling the ball before rushers are even there. Their opponent this week has a much better offensive line to protect that from happening here. If they can assuredly contain the edges and underneath throws to Kareem Hunt, tall order I know, I think this defense will build more opportunities for Justin Herbert to take shots with that offense. That Chargers offense may be boring from a fantasy owner of Keenan Allen. He's been getting somewhere around 60 yards receiving each game. Really low depth of target, but it's beneficial for the offense as a whole. How they distribute the passing game in terms of tricking defenses. There's so many targets. Jerry Cook, Eckler, Mike Williams, and on and on. I really think there are things about this matchup that are more impressive to watch 
on Los Angeles's offense versus Cleveland's defense. Cleveland's defense can prove to be a stranglehold week in and week out. And the Los Angeles Chargers have proven to step forward against any opposition, including the Chiefs one week. Taylor, what do you think about this game and why do you think it's not so close as I have it ranked? I've got five confidence points wagered here on the Chargers getting the win. The one exciting part for me that I'm looking forward to is seeing this scary Cleveland Browns defense going up against Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense. Cody, I've been really, really pleased and impressed with the Chargers offense. We talked about Austin Eckler when they played, and he did such a tremendous job of I mean, he's just a special running back from the standpoint that the kid is strong, he's fast, he can receive. I mean, he's got all the tools you need as just a running back who can get it done. And I've really, I really enjoyed watching him. So the, the big, the big thing is going to be that the, the Cleveland Browns are going to want to get quick pass rush going on Justin Herbert, but Justin Herbert is just such a smart quarterback that he's just able to get the ball out when he needs to get it out. He's got the, he's got the mobile ability to extend plays. And so there's just a lot of, I think there's just going to be a little bit of back and forth here where I'm expecting, I mean, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney are, are forced to be reckoned with. So there's a lot there to see in what the Browns are capable of doing in providing challenges for the chargers offense. But Justin Herbert just has so many weapons in his arsenal that I just think that the that he's got the edge here uh, enough over this Browns defense. And then to the other side with Baker Mayfield and that Browns offense, we talk often about just how beautiful the run game is for Cleveland. And that's just their bread and butter, man. That's just how they get things done. And the Chargers defense has a real formidable challenge here going up against that run game. We know Joey Bosa can provide enough pressure here, but then Derwin James patrolling the field is going to provide a necessary challenge for Baker in getting his offense moving. So it's going to be a very exciting game. It is one that I'm really very much looking forward to seeing. I give the edge here to the Chargers on this one. So Taylor, moving into what you believed is the closest game of the week. Got a primetime game on your list. Tell me what you think is so unpredictable about the Indianapolis Colts versus the Baltimore Ravens. So as I've been watching the Baltimore Ravens, they haven't been an unimpressive team by any measure. The reality is, is that the thing that I have, that stands out to me the most about them is the fact that the victories they have been getting have just been slim victories and wins but the reality is is a win is a win they're getting it done so you know props to them and they've got a tremendous coaching staff i mean you know yeah quick quick point to that a lot of folks are going to say but they beat the broncos down last week well folks who were actually watching that game will recognize that broncos defense was keeping them in the game until teddy bridgewater left the game yeah of course and then you know drew lock comes in and you know, you know what to expect there. So props to the Ravens for handling business the way they were expected to. Now, I, I look at this situation and this is just, this is just an interesting point of the season. Now we're at week five, 
things just have looked really gloomy to some degree for the Ravens with their injuries and, and then Hollywood Brown, not catching the football, but he did, he made up for it last week, but that's the thing. This Ravens team has, they've been working with what they've got and they're managing to get victories out of it, which is really impressive to me. And I think that has to do in large part with just this veteran group and this, and this coaching staff that have, there's, there's been some continuity uh, there in Baltimore for a while now that, and I think that's, that's one of the best things long running for a franchise is to maintain continuity. I look at the Colts though, and they got a desperate, much needed win against Miami. One that I, I knew that they really needed to get the majority of America. I, from what I saw, had the dolphins pitted uh, a victory against Indianapolis, but so I don't know how many people had picked Indianapolis, but I I was one of the few I felt that was uh, for Indianapolis getting a victory in that game. And they sure enough did in, in a good way. And so I just look at this team and it's hard to you can't you can't ignore the talent that exists on this Indianapolis Colts roster. We know what they have the capacity to do. Their defense played really well. I mean, was really impressed with how they played. And I think they're more than capable of handling what might be considered a daunting task against Lamar Jackson and this Ravens offense, who has done really well. But I'm going to give Wager one confidence point on Indianapolis getting this win against the Ravens. This was such an interesting pick that I really didn't expect whenever you sent me your pre-production list of locks and close games. I have 10 points wagered in favor of of Baltimore. I think this is much closer to a sure thing. It's a Monday night football that I understand looked a lot better in the preseason planning. Indianapolis has been a repeat playoff team for the past two years. Ravens obviously doing plenty of things with their former MVP quarterback. But what I really had to remember when I was choosing this game was the Indianapolis Colts against the Seattle Seahawks a few weeks back. And Russell Wilson plays a similar style of football to Lamar Jackson. And I really believe that Lamar Jackson is a game-breaker against this defense that hasn't shown me that they can shut down a mobile quarterback certainly to the level of Lamar Jackson. But... I really believe this Baltimore Ravens team is starting to feel itself. It looks very confident in terms of the culture that is being presented. And I really think this is the moment. It's a night game in Baltimore, which comes with its own adversity for Indianapolis. And I really think this is a shutdown game for the Ravens. I won't drop the Colts too much in this loss just because I think the adversity is so high for them. But I think the Ravens team are starting to build a little bit of flame in terms of that hot streak. And I really expect them to come away with this win almost assuredly. Yeah. It felt more like a gut pick for me in this case where I just felt, you know, I think I'm just going to put it on the Colts here to edge this out because I just think they got to get, they, I feel like they're in desperation mode to get this win. And I just think they got enough talent here that in some measures, Cody, I think they could actually, 
take the AFC South. It This is a vulnerable division now, in my opinion. And that's why I agree with you. I think this is a very important game that the Colts really can't let slip through their fingers. But in the AFC South, it's proving that division may not be figured out until, you know, weeks 14 through 17. We may not know who really has a chance at winning that until it's almost over. But moving into what I believe the closest game of the week, and I believe the game of the week as a whole is for everyone, NFL fans, casual and intense alike, Bills are playing the Chiefs on Sunday night football. This has been a recurring playoff matchup. It's highly likely a preview of an another future playoff matchup later this season. There's something for everyone here. This is so much of a closer game for me than what a lot of others are expecting, including yourself. Uh, this game is at Arrowhead. Bills have been just smashing teams. We saw them beat the Texans 40-0 to last week. We saw them shut down Miami earlier this season as well. However, the Chiefs have been a thorn in their side for the past two years now. It's hard for me to imagine the Chiefs adding another game under 500. With two home losses in the first five weeks, this is why I'm picking the Chiefs. I think there is emotional sentiment to generate positive momentum as soon as possible for teams that truly believe in themselves. I think the Bills already have it. They need a test of humility here, and I think that's what the Chiefs are going to serve up. I only wagered one point on the Chiefs. I understand this is a very risky pick. And I don't want to count either one of these teams out, so that's why I wagered it as my closest game. Taylor, you believe the Bills are much more assuredly going to win this game, and I am here to oppose it and explain to you why this really is the closest game to decide this week. Well, it's nine confidence points on the Bills. It's not so much that I don't think the game isn't going to be close. It's just that... I have that much confidence that I think the Bills are that much better and can get this win. And the big standout for me in this is just the fact that I just have been unimpressed with Kansas City's defense as a whole. They allow a lot of points. Kansas City, they they do put up points. They play a great job. I don't know who all the opponents have been. I can't remember all the opponents have been off the top of my head for the Bills. The Chiefs have had the Browns, the Chargers, the Ravens. The Bills so far have played the Steelers, who we mentioned it was a fluke loss. That week one is always going to be hard to prepare correctly for any game plan. They then played the Dolphins, who they shut out. It's hard to shut out anybody in this league for sure, especially on top of scoring 35 points. They then played the Washington football team, who scored 21 points. However, that might have been due to lack of film from Taylor Heineke. And then they shut out the Texans last week, obviously notching another high score of 40 points. Now, my thoughts on the Chiefs' record is really due to their opponents, who I believe are such higher caliber. And it reflects that in terms of the difficulty it is for the Chiefs to get wins as opposed to the Bills. The Chiefs have played the Browns. They have played the Ravens, which they lost by one point in the primetime game. They played the Chargers, who we have called one of the highest rising teams in the NFL this season. And then last week, playing the Eagles, who they dominantly won against. I think this is the closest example 
for a true test of the bills that we have come across. Again, that's the thing. It's just Kansas City has got to at some point figure out how they're going to stop opposing offenses from being that productive. And if we look at the bills, we're looking at a very highly productive offense. I mean, Josh Allen has just been playing at an MVP caliber level right now. And it's not knocking the Chiefs at, at all whatsoever. So what I'm what I'm ultimately saying is I'm expecting there to be a lot of scoring on both on both from both teams in this game. But I just like the Bills defense enough that I do think they still pose challenges for Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense. I get it, man. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, like all these guys, like I get it. It's it that they've got They've got the weapons, but there's enough here with this defense that I think they have enough to pose challenges for Kansas City. And it's enough, in my opinion, that I have that much confidence that the Bills can really get this win against against the Chiefs. Well, it shows that our games of the week will be a huge swinger in terms of our scores with me notching 10 points in favor of the Ravens, you notching nine points in favor of an opponent of my game of the week that I only notched one. This should be an interesting week in terms of our total win-loss column and point total for the confidence rankings. That wraps up our confidence rankings. Again, please feel free to click the link in the show notes. Follow along, pick with us, and see how you guys stack against us. We have a little bit of time, and we didn't cover the Thursday night football game within our locks or close games. So tell me some of the thoughts you have for the Rams coming off of a fresh loss from their division opponent and having a short week into yet another division opponent in Seattle against Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. I do expect this game to be somewhat of a close one. Like I'm... In other words, like I, I'm just I'm fully anticipating the Rams to come out and and get a bounce back win from what they just had with with Arizona because now there's probably people out there who are like, well, the Rams are beatable. Like, are they still that that good team that we should take seriously after that loss with Arizona? Absolutely, yes. The Rams are that good of a team. Like, I believe that the Rams are definitely a favorite to be in the NFC championship game. And so with that, I the thing is, I'm expecting Seattle to step up their play against the Rams. I mean, they're, it's kind of like what you said earlier, I think on a few episodes ago, you said that, uh, that the Seahawks tend to generally play to their opponent. And so I think the Rams are going to get something to that degree with the Seattle Seahawks. But it's going to be a close one. So it's just kind of like more of like, I'm just not really sure what this game's going to look like and how it's going to go. It's either the Rams are just going to, are just going to blow up the Seahawks or the Seahawks are really going to come in and they're going to play a very competitive game with the Rams and not make it that, that simple for them. Does that make sense? How about these Thursday night football matchups so far this season? So far they're doing a good job. I mean, and you know, and nonetheless, Cody, we've, we've had some entertaining ones these past few weeks. Even the Bengals in Jacksonville found a way to be impressive. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. I wagered seven points in favor of the Rams. I Really, the way I can kind of mathematically break this down is I know division games can be tricky to pick. There's a lot of unforeseen circumstances, strategies that are applied here that aren't applied otherwise because you have more film on your opponent than any other opponent you're going to play this season. But 
I really think the Rams would win a majority of the matchups against this Seahawks team. And that's where I pick seven points. It's a short week. That could add some some more confusion to this. So I'm not 100% confident in it, but I really liked what I saw from the Rams, even in a loss against the Arizona Cardinals last week. There's plenty to be improved here. And the Seahawks have a real test and a real good sobering bucket of water being thrown on them here in terms of how competitive are they really in terms of their Super Bowl hopes this season. I think we're going to find out, and I believe this could be a good get-right game after this matchup against the Rams in terms of figuring out their weaknesses. But nonetheless, offensively, from a fantasy standpoint, you're going to be starting everybody, I believe, on both sides of the ball. We'll wait and see if Chris Carson is going to be in. For those of you who own Chris Carson, maybe go out and pick up Alex Collins, who had a great game last week, has proven to be a lead back carrier as he was in Baltimore years ago. And from the L.A. side, obviously you're starting everybody. I I know you're frustrated with Robert Woods. I understand it. But the whole idea is Robert Woods is out-snapping just about every single person aside from the quarterback for L.A. You have to realize that the guy who is always on the field in an offense that you trust the most, as we did with the Los Angeles Rams within the first two weeks, you got to believe that all he needs is the ball to start coming to him in the red zone. And it's going to happen. I understand it's hard. He's probably down to that wide receiver three or flex level. So if you have space to bench him, okay. But on the defensive side of the ball, if you trust the Rams defense against the scrambling ability of Russell Wilson, by all means, go for it. I understand they had plenty of practice against the scrambling quarterback last week. Maybe there's some improvements available there. I don't think there's any reason to start Seattle here as a defensive unit. I doubt that many folks are planning to do that, but just a sobering thought for any of those folks who have not checked their lineup and still have Seattle in that starting spot. That wraps up our week five preview. We have a little bit of Thursday night football preview. We had some locks. We had some close games. We had some good times. Taylor. I appreciate it talking to you again. We got another week of football ahead. I'm going to try and get this episode out as soon as possible, but we'll make sure that you guys have a little bit of a preview and insight going into week five before Thursday night football. Happy football. And, but I hope people have a, are having a better fantasy football season than I personally am. So go team, whoever your teams are. Rock and roll. All right, Bubba. Well, I'll talk to you soon. See you, man. Talk to you again. Let's talk about other things, not fantasy football teams. I'm, I'm not enjoying it at all at this moment.